in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless, and it was empty, and there was darkness over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and so he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water, and so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and, the gather, and, and he gathered the waters, and he called them the sea. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. May they bear fruit and have seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. And so the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruits with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give them light on earth. And it was so. And then God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And he also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God, again, saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. The fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with, which is in the water and all the winged birds according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And then God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so, and God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make humankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. 
and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider this ancient narrative, this origin story, we pray for a better understanding of who you are and who we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's great to be back with you. I've been gone almost a month now. And I tell you, you're away from Advent Hope. You've missed Advent Hope, missed this community, and it's good to be back. I mean, don't get me wrong, we had a fabulous time. I don't know if you heard, but we got two tickets to paradise. Thank you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> We're going to work that into the final hymn, I think, right, Nick? Two tickets to paradise. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Anyway. Sarah and I, we were in Michigan with the kids for a couple weeks. Not the paradise I was thinking, but Spain. Some Advent Hoopers got married, Mike and Jackie. We're so thankful for them and for the, the, we're going to welcome them when they get back from their honeymoon, maybe next week. We'll welcome them, but they invited Sarah and I to come to their wedding in Spain. It was fabulous. By the way, if you want to get married, I'll come to wherever you're going to get married. But I highly recommend Spain. I'm just saying. But I'll come anywhere for you. Anyway, so we were in Spain. We had a fabulous time. It was a great time. It was the first time without the kids in a very long time. So that was, that was an interesting adventure. Anyway, we had a blast. But it's good to be back with you here at Avent Hope uh, today. Now, we are continuing this sermon series, this fall sermon series, on the theme of success. Success. What is success? So last week, if you were here, collegiate kickoff, it's kind of like our annual kickoff for the year. We welcome college students back. If you're a college student, by the way, you were here last week and you came back again, we're really excited to have you here, but we're excited everybody was here and we're starting this new fall series kind of investigating success. You know, here in New York, we're a city that loves success and so we want to be thoughtful about what the Bible has to say about success. And so Alex did a great job last week. In fact, you can go back and hear the message from last week, adventhope.org. In fact, you find a whole bunch of, of teachings on adventhope.org. And uh, specifically, last week's kickoff on this subject, this theme of success. Now, today, we are going back to the origin story, Genesis chapter 1, where we get this really interesting picture of God's view of, uh, of success. And we see that this incredible description is given to us of the interconnectedness of life, right? So there's this day one, day two, and day three, and each of these are God kind of building this global uh, system. And each element in the global system is connected to uh, the next. And so it's this system that was designed to kind of support and benefit uh, each other. And so then what we see is that God's measure of success, because it, apparently he takes a note of his work at the end of each day so we can imagine someone who's been working hard all day. At the end of the day, you sit back and acknowledge, this was good. I did good work today. It was good. And so each day ends with God acknowledging and, and the, the author of Genesis acknowledging that the work was 
good, that it had been a successful day. And so we see this project uh, building, like, a, like an architect or a builder who's been putting the, the time into building this thing, and each day there's a success, and it's building, and it's building, and it's building, and then we get to the sixth day, and we see what God's purpose has been in uh, creating this thing that he's been working on. He's been creating this because he has kids on the way. He has kids on the way. He's preparing to create uh, humanity, to, to get this, 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 this new family uh, started. And so we kind of think about you know, parents who are preparing for a, a child to be born. We, we had, Kyle's going to share with you a little more details later, but we had a newborn in the Avon Hope a community. Niagaka and Eva welcomed their little one into, into the world this last week. And so we can imagine, though, Niagaka and Eva preparing as they, they did. You know, you got to get the apartment ready. You got to prepare the place for the little ones so that they, it's, everything is taken care of for them. And it's designed, the place is designed for their benefit. And this is the picture of Genesis chapter 1, that God is setting up this planet for these kids that he's going to have, that he's going to create. And he's going to turn over this environment to them. And they're supposed to be stewards of the environment. They're supposed to take care of the environment, but the environment is also going to take care of them. And so it's this beautiful interconnected uh, system. And so we also, though, in this see God's definition or God's understanding of success, that God's success is rooted not just in something that's going to benefit himself, but for, for God, success was how beneficial this creation was going to be for others. Success, in God's eyes, is rooted in how beneficial his creation is going to be for others, not just for him, himself. God's way of measuring success is related to how his creation helps other beings. Now, uh, I think that this is profound, and it potentially has some profound implications for us. I mean, think about your definition of success. I mean, I would love to hear what your definition of success is, and maybe during our journey here through this, this subject and theme of success, we'll provide, in fact, we will provide some opportunities to give you, to give you some insight or to, or to hear some insight from you on what success is. But here in this Genesis story, we see that God's version of success for himself is rooted in how he's going to benefit others. It was good. It was good. He's creating this thing, but he's not just creating this planet for himself, for his own edification. He's creating this planet for his kids, for others, for other beings. And so what does, this, what does this mean for us in our own uh, definition of uh, success? Um, how might this measure of success apply to us? You know, we're thinking particularly as we think about success, the, 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 the sphere of your vocation. I mean, it doesn't have to success is, is beyond our vocation, certainly you can have success outside of your vocation, but we're kind of thinking in this, this fall time to think about the work that we do as, as human beings, as members of the community that is Avon Hope, like what, what value is, 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 does our work produce? And how do we measure success in the context of our work, of our vocation? And so, uh, again, how does this apply to us? For God's success is rooted in how he benefits others. What does this mean uh, for us? How would your attitude change toward your vocation if you defined your own success primarily by the good you provide to other people, not just transactionally, but, but, but because you care about other uh, people. 
And so this leads to another question, and that is, well, okay, so if God measures success, his own success, by how he benefits others, and then we could say, okay, well, let's apply that to our own vocation. Uh, that leads to some, some um, very clear uh, questions like, well, what is, it, what is it inhibiting us from experiencing this kind of a success, success rooted in primarily in benefiting uh, others? What inhibits us from being successful in this context? I think there are a couple responses to that question. Uh, first of all, we just have to acknowledge that we probably, probably if we've, uh, if we've lived and, and, and been born on planet Earth, or certainly in, in, in the Western world context, that we probably have a misguided definition of uh, success. You know, there are a lot of definitions of success, but, but one that is, is really fundamental is that our success can be measured by um, how much wealth that we have, and how much power and influence we can exert over others. And so the more successful a person is, the more wealth they have, or the more power and influence that we have. This is kind of a traditional uh, model of measuring uh, success. And of course, this, is, this goes back, this isn't just a Western uh, phenomenon. You, this goes uh, back, even back to Jesus' time. I mean, Jesus had to, to wrestle with his own disciples who thought that success was measured by how wealthy or how influential and powerful a person uh, was. Now, in contemporary Western culture, you could say that, you know, those measures, wealth and power influence, have also, uh, have, 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 their other elements have been expanded or added to, to, like, how much flexibility you have in your career, if we're thinking specifically about vocation, how much flexibility you have in your career to do things, to go places, or to experience things. This is an even more contemporary kind of model of success, like, do you have the flexibility? If you're able to, to jaunt off to you know, Spain for, for, for a week, is that a measure of your success? In, in some ways, people would say, absolutely. You have the flexibility to be able uh, to do this. And so these are measures that we as a society have used to determine what success is. Uh, but but if, we, if we contrast these with the Genesis 1 God definition of success, it doesn't really match up. And so are we misguided? in our definition of success. Is success really rooted into our wealth, our power, our influence, and our flexibility in our vocation? And if that's the case, maybe it would, it would make sense that we're not as successful as we want to be in, in the areas of being a benefit to humanity, or to, to those around us. Uh, secondly, we're inhibited by having Genesis 1 uh, success because we have this belief that we are limited by our current circumstances, maybe especially in your career and your current uh, vocation. Uh, you know, some of you have great jobs, great careers. You feel like your vocation is really valuable and that you are helping other people. But many of you, I've talked to some of you who are just miserable in your vocational ex experience, in your job, and you, you, know, you, you have a hard time seeing how you're benefiting anyone or yourself or anyone else. And so when you're in that, in that situation where you just, it's not working for you, even you, though you're working for it, it can feel like you're really not able to fulfill this idea of being successful in any measure, including benefiting other, other people. And so maybe you're in a vocation now where you just don't see any way that you can be a benefit uh, to others. And so this limits your ability to be successful even in the Genesis 1 uh, context context. Uh, finally, 
being successful is, is challenging to us, again, in the Genesis 1 context, because caring for others, which is part of benefiting others, caring for others, especially on any large scale, outside of like immediate one or two people or your immediate family, can be incredibly, incredibly tiresome and take a lot of energy, right? Let's be honest, right? When you start having to worry about other people, it just becomes really, really energy-sucking, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, when we're worried about ourselves, that's enough. One person. When you're only worried about yourself, that zaps enough energy. But you start adding other people that you have to worry about or care about and, and try to benefit, it just sucks the energy out of, out of you. You know what I'm talking about? So, okay, this is beautiful because the kids are downstairs. I love this. So, okay, I was going to have to apologize to them later, but they'll never know. They don't listen to the podcast. They'll never know. So, okay, so, so as I mentioned, Sarah and I were in Spain for a wedding, working, working, okay? Okay, so we were in Spain, so we did this thing that we have not done in 12 years. We left the kids at home. Now, I, we love our kids so much. Jude, this morning, this very morning, says, Dad, you tell me you love me too much, too much. It's too much, Dad. Is that going to stop me? No. Anyway, all right, so we love our kids very much, but it was, I have to say, it was glorious. It was lovely, all right? So six days, so we left them, we drove to Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, this is what you got to do when your, parent, when your parents live far away. We drive them to Louisville, Kentucky, and so they have a good time with grandparents, Louisville, Kentucky, and we go to Spain. We have not done this in 12 years. Now, five years ago, another lovely couple had a wedding in Jamaica that we also went to, and technically... We didn't have kids with us, except Sarah was like eight months pregnant. So I guess they were with us. Anyway, so we're claiming 12 years, first time to travel without, without kids of some form. And it was glorious. I mean, we were seeing things, driving, and you have an easy, you get up in the morning, and you, get, you know what you get to do? You just leave. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to walk out the door with kids? I mean, it's unbelievable. You just, to just get out of the door in the, the morning, it takes like 45 minutes. And that's, a, that's on a good day. So, so with no kids, I mean, we could just, what should we do? Let's just leave. Let's go. Walk out the door. We're gone. It's amazing. Anyway, it was glorious. It was glorious. Um, but we were very excited to see the kids, as you can imagine. So we get back and we see the kids and we've got them all together and we're going to now travel back to New York from Louisville and involves driving and whatever. And it took like 0.05 seconds to suddenly realize how much effort it is to have more people that you have to care about and take care of. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, even people that you love more than anything in the whole world, but you start to add more people onto to, to your care about list and your energy just, I, you could just feel it, just getting sucked out of me. And, and I mean, I, again, do you understand I love my kids? <laughs> I love them very much, but I mean, it's work. It's work to care about other people. You, you guys with me here? Okay. Caring for others, uh, especially on any scale larger than just your immediate family, I mean, it's tiresome, and it takes a lot of work, and so this can hinder our ability to, to, to really be successful if success is, de de is defined by benefiting others. Because to benefit others, we have to care about others, and caring about others requires a lot of energy. 
a lot of work. So with this in mind, okay, well, how do we, how do we achieve Genesis 1 a success? Success that is rooted not just in our wealth and our power and our influence, but in benefiting others. How do we do this with all of this in mind? Well, first of all, it's clear like, we have to reframe our definition of success. Like, success cannot just be uh, rooted in, you know, how much wealth you have or how much power and influence you have or how much ability you have to go and do whatever you, you want whenever you want it. That, that cannot be the measure of success. Um, again, I mean, this was a, a, a challenge even back in, in, in Jesus' day. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. How about Matthew chapter 19? You may be familiar with this great story. So, you know, this guy comes to, to Jesus and he asks about, like, basically about uh, success. And Jesus says, you know, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you have treasures in heaven. This person happens to be a person that everyone thought was successful, was wealthy. And so Jesus says, come and follow me. But when the, the man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth which defined success for him. And then Jesus says to his disciples, hey, I tell you, you know, it's hard for someone who is, is, is in this man's position to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than someone in this person's circumstances to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were just... Because in their minds, success was defined as power and influence and wealth, and Jesus was like, no, no, that's, that's not success. That's not success. Uh, but then Jesus goes on to say, look, look, uh, he looked at this and said, but, you know, with, with a human, this is impossible. It's impossible for a person who has power and influence and wealth to really uh, be successful, but with God, all things are possible. God can help anybody be successful in the Genesis 1 uh, context. But this requires that our definition of success be reframed. Uh, by the way, this reframing of success ultimately ends up help, helping us in the end, too. So it's not just that we benefit other people, but, but that we receive a benefit. Now, this shouldn't be transactional. Again, like if I do this, this will happen to me. But it's kind of the way it, it works. So maybe you've heard of this uh, study. So Harvard since like 1923, has been doing this ongoing uh, study. It's called the uh, Harvard Study of Adult Development. And basically, back in 1923, they took like a group of, I don't know, 600 men or something, and the idea was that they were going to try to determine, like over the years, what makes a person feel happy and have value in their experience. And so they, they've done this study, it's continued on, apparently there's like 60 or 80 of those men who are still around and they're, they're in their 90s now and they've been contributing all of these uh, years to this study. And so the, the director of this program is called Robert Waldinger, definitely, definitely worth looking this guy up in this study. In fact, his TED talk is like one of the top 10 TED talks of all time or whatever. But he talks about like this and the happiness, what makes a person happy, and of course, you know, what is, is, is it wealth? Is it power? Is it influence? No. That's not what does it 
For when you're 90 years old, you're end of your life, you're like, how, how much wealth, how much power, how much influence, how much flexibility you had in your, in your career. That's not what does it. What does it is your relationships with other people. It was just clear. Your, your ability to exist in healthy community with each other and to have community with family, with friends, and to be helpful to people at large. Right? So this idea of, of benefiting other, God's true idea of success that it isn't just about us, but it's about helping others, this actually does come back and have a benefit for us. It's really what makes us feel valuable at the end of life. So the, the research is in. So we need to reframe our de- definition of success, uh, but we also need to embrace the fact that we can benefit uh, others, even in vocational circumstances or life circumstances in which we feel like we have very little uh, control over outcomes, right? So maybe you're in a, 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 a job, a vocation or career where you feel like you just don't have much option. You know, you're on the, you're on the assembly line, metaphorically or, or really, and you're just putting pieces together and it doesn't feel like you're having much benefit on anyone else or certainly on society at, at large or any group of, of people. But look, we got to embrace the fact that we can have a benefit to other people, even in circumstances like this. We can be kind. You know how powerful being kind is? We can, we can promote justice. I mean, even if you're in a place where you just feel like a cog in the wheel, you can promote justice. You can be kind. You can do quality work. You can be a peacemaker. How about being a peacemaker in your vocation? Maybe you don't feel like your vocation has any value. You're not doing anything for anyone, but being kind, being a peacemaker, promoting justice, doing quality work. These are ways in which you can benefit people beyond yourself. Maybe it doesn't make you any more wealthy. Maybe it doesn't give you any more power or influence. But if success is not defined by those measures, if success is defined by benefiting others. You can do that whatever circumstance you're in, whatever vocation is. I know some of you are miserable with your careers right now, with your job right now. You can benefit others by being kind and seeking and and promoting justice and doing quality work and being a peacemaker. (laughs) Last week, I mean, Alec, go back, adventhope.org. Great, great message from, from Alex, collegiate kickoff on the great story of Joseph, right? I mean, talk about a guy, Old Testament story, you can go back to Genesis chapter 37 to 50 and get the whole rundown of this guy named Joseph, and you want to talk about a person who had a miserable career experience? I mean, from one misery to the next, and yet he was a blessing to others. In fact, the end of the story says he basically, like, helped to save a nation. He was a blessing even when he was in circumstances which I'm sure didn't seem like he was doing very much. We can do that too. Uh, finally, we can be successful by you know, investing our energy in others as, as challenging as that seems. We can be kind, we can be compassionate, uh, we can help people who are needing help. So investing in people, caring about people, worrying about uh, people and, and working for people. It requires energy, but we can do that. We can invest energy in others. Now, the good news is that there is one who has already done what we're talking about. Like, this is not new territory in which we have to, 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 to clear on our own. Um, we read in Matthew chapter 20 that Jesus says 
Jesus, that he came not to be served, uh, but to serve others. And he gave up his life as a ransom for the many. You know, Jesus didn't define uh, success by how much it benefited him. In fact, we find ultimately it didn't benefit him that much, certainly in the temporal life sense. He came to serve and to serve others. Um, Jesus also didn't allow his, his circumstances or his low uh, position, if you will, to hinder his ability to do well. You know, we're told he, he was uh, not a, a person of means. His family wasn't a person of means. They weren't very influential. They, 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 they didn't have much power. He was a blue-collar worker. Jesus himself worked with his dad, apparently, as a, as a carpenter. So he didn't have a lot of power and influence and probably not that much money, but he didn't allow those circumstances to affect his ability to be a benefit to other people. And finally, Jesus wasn't hindered by the hard work of caring for other people. Uh, in fact, he had to care, carry, uh, care for some really difficult people. One of his best friends, I mean, all of his, his close friends, his close companions, were. it was a tough bunch, but you know, the, the core three were really tough bunch, and his, one of his best friends, Peter, was just a mess always arguing about what place he was going to have next to Jesus and so on. And Jesus didn't say, get out of here. He, he, he cared for him. Now, I should note here, I should note here that, you know, Jesus, all of this conversation of caring for others, we have to recognize that there are three relationships that all of us have. We have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with each other. But then we also have a relationship with ourselves. And so there is a place for self-care. You've got to take care of yourselves. In fact, we find that Jesus, the Bible says Jesus often, often removed himself to lonely places. So you're caring for other people. You're being a benefit. That's, that's the measure of success. You're doing things that are going to benefit other people. But this doesn't mean that you forget who yourself, who you are. And so you need some, 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 some time away, some time alone. Even Jesus took time alone. He spent a lot of time in lonely places by himself, praying and and being with himself. So that's a really, really, really important, I think, to note. But, but Jesus didn't allow the hard work that it takes to work for other people, to hinder himself from being a blessing and being a benefit to others. And so Jesus has, has done what is really difficult for us to do. He's, he's taken the, 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 the way, and he's done it. So we, we know what we need to do, have, to, to have our minds reframed, we need to embrace the fact that we can be a benefit in whatever circumstances that we're in, and we can invest our energy in others. And Jesus has done all of those things. And so we have a great model and a great example. But the good news is that that's not the end. Jesus wasn't just a great model and example for us, because if that was the end, we'd still be kind of miserable, because doing all of the things that we need to do and following Jesus' example is like the heart. But Jesus has promised that he doesn't just leave us on our own, that as we embrace his work, we are going to be enabled with power to do that which we cannot do on our own. So this is really good news. So, okay, we have our minds reframed, and we're like, okay, I'm going to try to be a benefit and blessing to others and not just be concerned about my own circumstances and, and where I am. But that's hard. But then the promise is that because Jesus has done what we cannot do, because Jesus specifically came and died, and rose again and ascended, he is now enabled to give us power outside of ourselves to help us to become the kind of people that we want to be. 
Uh, Galatians chapter uh, 5, the Apostle Paul writes about what happens when God starts working in our experience. It says that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, so the, 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 the outcome of life by the Spirit. So Jesus dies, he rises again, he ascends, his great promises, I'm going to give you the Spirit. If I don't go, the Spirit can't come. There's some mystery there by what's going on. God apparently has parameters, which we may not even know or understand about how he works. But Jesus says, I'm going to go, and the Spirit is going to come. And as the Spirit starts working in us, and that happens as we embrace God's work through Jesus, the Spirit starts working in us, and then out of that comes fruit. And the fruit is this, love, a joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, what I am interested in, in particular, in this list, is how much of a benefit this is, not just for an individual, but for our ability to interact with other people, right? See, God doesn't just give us gifts that are great to, to benefit us, because he believes that success is rooted in how we benefit others, and how he benefits others. So he gives gifts to us that impact our ability to be a blessing to others, to be a benefit to others, to help in our relationship with each other because we are designed, we are designed to be communal, to exist in community. Love. You got to have love, not just for yourself, but for others. Joy. I mean, to be around a person who has a joy, that's com- compelling. A peace, a patience. You be around other people, you need patience. See, God is giving us gifts so that we can be a blessing to others. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are gifts that come from God. As we embrace God's work in, in, in Jesus, we are enabled through the Spirit to have these elements. So, you want to be successful. Again, we're going to be starting a journey over the next few weeks to continue to talk about success. But as we look at Genesis 1, if you want to be successful, and God defines success for himself and for us as being a benefit to others, benefiting others, if you want to be successful in that way, in your career, in your life, or, or, or whatever, and you've had your mind reframed as to what success is, you can take heart that as you continue to embrace Jesus and his work, God is able to fill us with attributes and elements that will help us to be a blessing to others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So now you imagine going back to work on Monday and you are filled with these elements. What a, what a, what a, what a, what a difference that's going to make. I mean, some of you are already very loving and joyful and peaceful with your, your workmates, but empowering that, in, that, 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 that boost that comes from God's Spirit working in you, what a blessing you're going to be to those that you work with. So God's calling us toward true success. And true success comes as we benefit and bless others.